en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Van jou oor na jou hart, na jou mond, na jou voete. Word deel van hierdie leven op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. Oh, that uh, once again a warm-hearted good morning from God's footstool here in Kilner Park in Pretoria. 42 Jacobus Street is where you tuned in. That's where we're broadcasting from. And no, this is not a pre-recorded program. This is live at the best. A warm-hearted good morning to my brother in Christ, Rocky Stevenson. How are you doing? Second time behind the microphone this morning. Morning, Venant. It's so good to be here. Yeah, wonderful to have you. And we honor the Lord for bringing you safely all the way from... From Kempton Park, but Benoni Bible Church, so we give greetings from there. Yeah, and uh, the program Scriptural Scriftielik, tot en met 12 uur vanmorgen. We need to be out of studio around about 5 to 12. So this gives you ample time to send in your questions this morning. You're truly Vaillant Rousseau behind the mic and on that side of the glass window, the brother in Christ, uh, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, and uh, he started with us uh, Last week already, we presented our first uh, in what we trust the Lord for a wonderful season of scriptural, where we look at uh, issues that you might have, questions that you might have from God's Word. If you're struggling with anything pertaining to God's Word, is there enige skrifgedeelte wat jy nie verstaan nie? then this is the program to stay tuned to, where we uh, ask questions, we look at God's Word together, we delve into the Word, dive into it. Uh, what is the the, the, the exegesis? Uh, am I right in my pronunciation, Rocky? What would, do we call it when we take it apart, we deconstruct the Word, and yeah, we the, look the at exegesis, every, yes, exegesis of God's Word, isn't it? So that's what we do, and perhaps you listening to us, because we don't claim to have all the answers, perhaps you listening to us, has got a different uh, understanding, maybe a, a another revelation uh, through the Holy Spirit. I know, looking at my cell phone and uh, Rocky looking at the other side of it, what I see is totally different from what he sees, yet we talk about the same thing. And we trusting the Lord as we uh, do an exegesis of the Scripture. And as, what we would want our listeners to do is mm, to go into the Scriptures and go to the Bible. And even Act 1711. Exactly. Get into a good Bible teaching church and to grow in the Lord yeah, Jesus. Yeah. This is, so this would be the encouragement. Let this program hopefully do that in your heart as you listen to this. Fantastic. So that being said and done, the only way that you can take part in this program is by sending us a WhatsApp. Here's the number. Something tells me that pen is not where you left it last time. So open up the contacts on your cell phone. Store the number because it, we use it for all types of programs here at Radio Pulpit. Are you ready now? I'm going to give it to you slowly. It's an easy number to remember, and I'll uh, do a deconstruction of that number as well. 
So here it is, 082, that's on the Vodacom network, 082. Then 657, of course, the frequency on which we broadcast. So it's 082-657, then the number 2. It's from Gauteng to the Western Cape, and then 729, which is our sister station down in the Western Cape. Somebody said uh, something very interesting the other day. Please give me the telephone number. Uh, I only listened half-heartedly whenever you give it, and now that I need it, I realize I don't have the number. You will need it this morning. So get the number 082-657-2729. Send your questions through to us, and together... As Rocky said, we'll dive into God's Word. We'll do an exegesis and we'll look at it and uh, discuss those questions. We handle lifestyle questions as well. But maybe somebody somewhere somehow said, doesn't it say in God's Word? And we look at that. Right. The Titus Abiki Tienos, also Netotemet 12 here. Annette, last week we didn't skip you. It's just a question that you asked pertaining to Daniel 9. 25 to 27. Rocky, would you mind to just um, share that with us? And she made a, a question with remarks to to the rapture. She asked a very interesting question. Uh, and let me say beforehand, I said to Rocky, this is a question that can keep us busy a whole program. So he said, no problem. We'll see if we can put it in a nutshell. Annette, your question last week, we kick off this program, Daniel 9, 25 to 27. What does it say in God's word, Rocky? And with that, over to you. Thank you, Vainant. And this is an excellent question. And like you said, we could probably spend a much longer time on this. This is such an excellent prophecy. Daniel had gone into captivity into Babylon. He'd been taken away in around 586 BC. And you'll remember that Jerusalem had been destroyed and had been broken up. And he was one of those young men that had been taken to Babylon. And he'd been searching the scriptures. And he came to Jeremiah and realized that 70 years was near to an end. The people of Israel were going to be heading back. He was asking God to give him clarity regarding these things. Just before this in Daniel 9, you find Gabriel coming to actually explain to to him exactly what this prophecy was about. But let me read for us from Daniel 9 from verse 24. Seventy weeks have been determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up visions and prophecy, and to anoint the holy of holies. So you are to know and have insight that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, Messiah the Prince, there will be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. It will be restored and rebuilt with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. So what we've seen here is about end things. It's speaking about Daniel's people, which is Israel, and it's talking about the timeline that is going to play out as far as the people of Israel inside of captivity. And so we do see the 70-week aspect, and you can go and read the rest even yourself. But we see these 70 weeks, and verse 24 says this, There's really two marvelous things which it says, and we've got to put a thinking cap on as we think through this. I believe we should take a literal view of this, and we can see this coming out. It's a wonderful passage for a literal view of the Bible. And then also it gives us a chronology of the history of Israel. Verse 24 speaks of these these 70 weeks, and it's clear they are determined upon his people, the people of Israel, Daniel's people. 
That's Israel, and Daniel says about the holy city. Daniel's not inside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem he'd witnessed being destroyed, but Jerusalem was to be rebuilt because God had had a promise regarding the coming of the Messiah. And so these are the things that Daniel was wondering about. He's, he's greeting the coming of the Messiah from afar, and he's saying, when is this going to happen? And excitingly, he gives, he's given this prophecy regarding the coming of the Messiah, the King of Israel, and to the exact day of Jesus coming in to Jerusalem yeah. on the cult and they singing Hosanna to the highest as Jesus comes in. So this prophecy is fulfilled bar a week. There's one week that is left, the 70th week, that has not yet happened. That still will happen for Israel. Yeah. But yeah. why is that week in suspension? Well, because of the mystery of godliness. The fact that the Gentiles would come into saving faith with Christ. There's this mystery that the Christian... And the Christian church is able to have Christ in them, these Gentiles being saved. And so we still await for this 70th week, which will be the, the really the week of Jacob's suffering, the tribulation period. So the question had asked, will this be after the rapture, this last part yeah, of the section? Yeah. And yes, to a, to a large extent, when the age of the Gentiles has come to its fruition and the church is raptured, then we have the 70th week of Daniel chapter 9 that happens. And you have the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple of God. The people of Israel turn back to him and there's this mass revival amongst the people of Israel. Micah says they will look upon him whom they crucified and they will turn towards him. And then the tribulation gets even worse for that last bit and that yeah. 144,000. And we see even Zechariah chapter 14 if you want to. Jot it there, or you can look at Revelation twenty twenty one. Yeah. So these eschatological themes. Now, what I would want to say to the listener is that there's much confusion regarding these things, not because Daniel was confused. No. Daniel understood what God was speaking about. Yeah. The problem is that we've been confused as we look at these things, and we can really do a good study of these things and actually... It creates a timeline, doesn't it? It does. It, it creates it, a timeline. And more than that, it gives us hope, Vainant, because we know that God has been true with everything that he said before. Yeah. All of his prophecies have happened in Christ's first coming. To the letter. To the letter. Yeah. Perfectly. As to the being born in Bethlehem, the star, the wise men, the shepherds, all of these things, the carrying of a cross, the fact that somebody would carry the cross for him, his garments not being torn, but them throwing dice to really yes. divide it up. Yes. Everything happened exactly as to God said. And his word will never pass away. And this also gave hope to Daniel and hope to the exiles. There's this remnant that was in Babylon that needed their eyes to be lifted up to realize that God is still true. God is still going to do what he said he's going to do. And maybe for you and I, there's that application too. Life is tough, isn't it? <laughs> Life yeah. is tough in South yeah. Africa. We were yeah. just talking about something like the petrol price yes. this morning. There's many distractions that we could think, wow, you know, what should we do? Isn't our father still the one that is provident? Isn't yeah. he still the one that keeps his promises? And Daniel was able to greet these things from afar with great excitement because wow. God was going to do this. Yeah. And he was going to rescue Israel. And so this was part of the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, a wonderful, wonderful section in God's word for us to think through. Mm. And it gives us the biblical years as we work it out. It was 360 days, the biblical timeline, not 365. And you can do the maths. You can work it out. There's actually somebody um, called uh, well, one of these men that has worked a lot of these things out. I, I yeah. jotted it down All right. yeah, somewhere. 
but, so, anyway. but, 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 but it gives us, Rocky, and I want to get back to the fact that God's word is true. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. It creates a timeline on which we can actually go and work out exactly, uh, basically where we are. Uh, uh, you know, if you're looking at the Jewish calendar, uh, uh, according to the Gregorian calendar on which we operate, it creates confusion. But uh, as you said, God's word is not confusing. We, we know where we are yeah. on the timeline and, and how and near the, the return of our yes. Lord is. And he was, telling, he was telling him as well when the, the 70 weeks would begin. And yeah. that was, it's a historical date, yeah. March the 14th, 445 BC, which wow. is when Artaxerxes gave the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Yeah. So that date is known. It's, it's recorded well known. In history. It's recorded in history. Yeah. And so you start that 70 weeks at March 14th. 445 BC. Yeah. And then if you look at verse 25, it continues. It gives us an idea of these 69 weeks that continue to go out. And you've got 483 years from when the restoring of Jerusalem yeah. to this place where Jesus marches in on the triumphant entry. And that's that 69 weeks. Right. But why is it the 69 weeks and why does it stop there? Well, the people of Israel rejected their king. Yeah. They rejected Jesus and they crucified him. You remember even oh, Pilate put yeah. that board on the top of Jesus yeah. on the cross that said, this is the king of the Jews. Yeah. And the high priest even went to him and said, please, won't you change that? Won't you make it say he said he was the yeah, king yeah. of the Jews? Yeah. No, Jesus was the king of the Jews. Yeah. But they persecuted him and they killed him. And what has happened in the church age? We are ambassadors, ambassadors of Christ on this world saying the king is coming. There's Indeed. a second coming that is happening. Yeah. And this so that's 70 prophecy week. still to the be prophecy fulfilled. still to be fulfilled so yeah. much of it fulfilled in Christ's first coming but there's much to still be fulfilled and this gives us hope because there's a time that Jesus is coming again yeah and the church itself one of the wonderful ways that the church would often end its Lord's Day celebration would yeah. say Maranatha come, yeah. Lord, come Jesus. Lord Jesus come, come Lord Jesus and I wonder if we've grown oh. a little bit lukewarm with regard to that yeah. the Lord Jesus yeah. is coming again dear but, listener but then again there are many of us who have unsaved family maybe my husband my wife my children my son and my daughter For so sure. when we shout out to the heavens Maranatha Lord come Lord Jesus your word be in fulfillment it's with anticipation because, yep. Lord, Lord, you've yep. entrusted to me yep. my son, my daughter, my wife, my brother-in-law, and my so mother-in-law. to be as faithful to that gospel call and oh. towards the Great Commission, the man I was looking for is Sir Robert Anderson. If you right. want to look up Sir Robert Anderson, you'll see he's done quite a lot of good work on this, referring to the 32 AD when right. Christ marched in. And that was April 6th when okay. Jesus marched in to the, the place. And that was the fulfillment of those um, that, that prophecy, All right. part uh, of that prophecy. Rocky, one last remark before we move on. It is no other religion on earth, no other religion on earth can lay claim to the fact that God's word can be tested against the prophecies. Prophecies that had gone into fulfillment to the letter and still will go into fulfillment. Not so. There is no other, the, the Bible is the only book that you can literally Put it down in front of you and plot the timeline and see this is where the prophet said this. What are the chances? Absolutely, Bainant. There are other religions that sometimes quote the Bible, yeah. and that's where they would be right. All right. <laughs> Simple as that. We leave it that. Annette, bless your heart. Thank you so much for that question. Daniel 9, 25, 27, 70 weeks. I hope that explains it for you.
Uh, we've got a listener, and he uh, came in last week. Johan had last week in and he made a very, very interesting remark. Hij het daar gesê, Hi, ek wil net graag weet, hoekom is daar mense wat so lief is om te sê, my geliefd is in die hemel vaak oor ons. My beloved, those, my loved ones, those who have passed on to be uh, in the afterlife, uh, beard in wherever, God knows, but they watching over us, they celebrating their birthdays in the hereafter. Do we still celebrate our birthdays in the hereafter? Are they watching over us? Is it even scriptural? What, what, what do we say to the brother? We, we don't see any of that scripturally. And I think the problem is that we have mixed a lot of spiritualism into our Christian traditions. Feel good we've, spiritualism. Yes, we, we've got a, this idea of of these things. And I think sometimes it's also to make a person feel a bit better regarding yeah. their grief. Now, the Bible tells us that we grieve, but not like the world grieves, without hope. We are those that grieve with hope. And so we do have this wonderful concept for those that are truly born again in Christ that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's two things that will always happen to all of us. We'll all face death and we will all face judgment. But I do think that there is something came to mind regarding this question. And in my time as pastor at Middleburg, I gave a funeral at one time for a young man. It was very sad. He had hung himself. He, He is newly married. And he was busy building a house, and he hung himself in this new house that he was busy building. He'd gotten to a point of such desperation and despair that he killed himself. And I preached a message from Luke chapter 23, from verse 33. And I'd, and I'd like to mention this to the listener, and I think it hits something of the heart of what I believe Johan was asking and what Johan was thinking through when he sent the question. If, if I'm wrong, Johan can always send in a message and correct. All right. But listen to what Luke 23 from verse 33 says. And when they came to the place called the skull, they were there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on. And even the rulers were scoffing at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him. So you got all these people mocking him. Come up to him, saying, offering him some sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now we've just talked about that rejection of Jesus as the king. And the fact that the 70th week will come where he comes. And that you can reference even something like Psalm 2. Now, there was among the inscription above his head that said, This is the king of the Jews. And the one of the criminals hanging there was blaspheming him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly. For we are receiving what we deserve for what we have done. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And the point I want to make regarding what Johan was asking is here the Lord Jesus even, knowing that the people there didn't know what they were doing. Right. They were, there was a lostness about the people. And he prays this prayer. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. There's this mocking of Jesus. And, G- and God, mercifully, God the Father, answers his prayer with a man on the cross right next to him wow. who is born again. And the point I made at this funeral is that there's two presuppositions that we should never make even at a funeral. One, this man was such a good guy, he's gone to heaven. 
And that's the one that I often find at funerals. Well, I've You'll never find, met anybody in you know, my life who's on, who, who would end up in hell. Everybody well, on the way to the eulogy, suddenly the man was the saint. You know? yes. <laughs> he was yeah, the yeah. greatest person on yeah. earth. But it's not really about the people. It's about if Christ is in that person yeah. or not. Yeah. And that's the big thing. So the one is to make this this idea, well, this guy's just in a better place. You know, He was going through so much suffering, so he's in a better place. But the other is equally as dangerous where we say, well, this person did this sin. Suicide, for example. Yeah. And so, therefore, they must be in hell. Yeah. We well, are not God. Yeah. We, we don't know where somebody stands before him or what happened in their last moments or where they were at. Yeah. And we've got to say, well, let's leave this in the hands of God who knows, who knows people. We've got to ask at that point, is suicide sin? And of the course. answer is unequivocally yes. Then did Jesus die for all sin except suicide? Or did he cover suicide, dying for our sins as well? well? Afrikaans, I think, actually has a better word, self-murder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because it's self-murder. Yeah, has yeah. he not died for murderers Of course, at the cross? Yes. And when Christ died, he died for sin, present, past, future. All right. All right. So there is that. Yeah. We've got to then ask the question, what is the fruit of that person's life? But God is the one who is sovereign over this. Yes. We've got one life to live. Let's live it for him. You know there's that the Apostle Paul actually even despaired of life itself. He says, yeah. we've despaired of life even itself. Yet he did not commit suicide. Yeah. He said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives mm. in me. So we need to have a whole new way of thinking through some of these things. But yeah. I think that, that deep beneath even Johan's question, I believe, is this thought of where are these people? What are these people doing? You know, are they celebrating their next birthday in heaven? Of course they're not. The, yeah. the heaven is different. Jesus yeah. even says there's not going to be marriage in heaven yeah. in that sense. It's a very different Kind realm, of a yeah. realm in that sense. And what we'll be doing in heaven is celebrating Christ yeah. and what Christ has done for us. We will celebrate what he did in the, at the cross and the fact that he died for sinners to set us free. There is a passage, however, in Hebrews 12, which just to bring a bit of balance to this, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3, which says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has, set, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who had endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary, fainting in heart. And that just comes after that hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And the point that the author of the book of Hebrews, which I, by the way, do not believe was Paul. Otherwise, he would have said it was Paul. Yeah, we yeah. can talk about that another day. <laughs> <laughs> so the author is not actually the people who read the yeah, book of Hebrews yeah. first knew who the author was. We don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. But the point that he was making is don't grow weary in your run with Christ. You've yeah. got this great don't hall of up. faith. You look at all these people in Hebrews chapter 11. They're surrounding the saint. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great crowd, in a sense, saying, go, go, run for Christ. Yeah. Do the same as what we have done. Lay everything else aside. Yeah. This whole world is rubbish. Christ is the one who has the glory. Run for him, dear one. And so that is a great sense of that's not the same as this ancestor view where there's this kind of mm. like you've got to appease the ancestors yeah. or yeah. I've, got, you know, I've got my loved one that's looking down all on right. me. It's this lay all aside for Christ. Let's run this race. Let's endure. 
Alright, Jan, hope that makes a sense. Bye, dankie ook vir jou vraag weer ingestuur het. Die uh, nummer in die atelier, 082-657-2729. The pastor, pastor Rocky Stevenson with me in studio. Scriptural, skriftierlik tot en met 12 uur vandag. Susanne has got a question for us, and after that we're going to take a break. Uh, she said, um, let me just find it here. I think, let's go to this question. Um, this is a pseudonym. Let me put it this way. This is a pseudonym. You're welcome to use an anonymous or a pseudonym if you've got a difficult question to ask. So this listener says, Hoekom sal die Heere vir my kinders en kleinkinders gee? As ek hulle net een keer een jaar kan sien. My hart is stikkend oor het. Ek is bitter dankbaar vir my man, vir sy werk. Ek is dankbaar, maar my hart is stikkend omdat ek so ver is for my fun and my family. Rocky, in essence, why would God give me children and grandchildren? But man, oh man, we're talking about a global village nowadays. I myself have a sister that lives in Sydney now. Uh, she, in essence, is saying, why would the Lord God give me children? Her heart is aching. Her heart is yearning to spend time with the grandchildren, which by the looks of this uh, WhatsApp here, uh, is she's not able to do. What do we answer out of scriptures? Wh- yeah, for this, what do we say? For this dear lady, I, my heart really does go out to her. I do think that that is the, a similar experience of many South Africans. What I, would, what I would call on her toward looking at is what is her commitment to her local congregation? Yeah. Part of what we see in the book of Timothy is that we are the family of God. And the way in which we are to treat older women within the church is like mothers, older men like fathers. Respectfully, even when we disagree, how do you do that? Not, um, you know, belittling an older man within the congregation, younger men as brothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And so the family for the Christian is the Christian family. Christ even said, if you will not love me above son and daughter or above your husband or wife or above your even even your life, you're not worthy of being my disciple. And so there is a call for us to lay aside and recognize the sovereignty of God, but then to give our lives in serving others. When we are hurting the most, God has got a way for us. The way is to serve others. The way is to love others, to reach out towards a sister that may be hurting in a similar situation, to be within a congregation and take some of the comfort that God has given us to comfort others with. We we don't have a a situation that is not common to all of man. And that's the other encouragement for us, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which talks about temptation. But the word temptation in Greek was very much temptation or trial. And this is a trial that this sister is going through. Yeah. And the trial is this, or the, the, the cure for that trial is the endurance that she is to run with. The fact that God would not give her something that's not common to man. All uh, Others have gone through this. There may be some other sisters that have gone through this, where she could have a discipleship group, where she can get together with other sisters and they can pray for one another. Yeah. The other thing I would say, and, and this is the direction I would steer her within, is to Philippians 4 verse 4 onwards, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, beautiful. And again, I say, Rejoice. Let your considerate spirit be known to all men. Think through the way that we we handle these situations. Go to the Lord in prayer. I found sometimes that a Christian will give a a, a problem to their pastor, for yeah. example. And sometimes if the pastor asks, have you prayed about this? You might find that it stumps them. Yeah. It's, so, it's so obvious, yet 
yet it stumps us sometimes. We can go to our Heavenly Father with these burdens. He said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Ask the Lord Jesus and say, won't you please give me rest with us, but also give me purpose. And I think many a Christian has begun to believe something of the lie of the evil one, which is that they're a Christian as an island. They've so privatized their Christian faith that they're no longer building into a local congregation. I'm not saying that is true of no, this little No, listener. fair enough. I'm saying in a general terms. Yeah. And that, means, that, that often means that we fall into a pit of despair. Yeah. And we think we're the only ones in that pit. We're the only ones going through this. Why is it that God has allowed this to happen to me? Yeah. When actually he's provided us with wonderful means of ministry. After this section in Philippians 4, it says this, Be anxious for nothing. This is a dear sister that is anxious regarding this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, by petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known Mm, to God. I love that word, supplication. What's a wonderful thing, and this is a dear brother had mentioned this to me. He had a wife who was dying of cancer, and he was battling with the fact that she was eventually, she was about 35 kilograms, and he was helping her around, and she went to go be with the Lord. And and he was battling with just these questions. Why? How? And he drew up a thankfulness list on his fridge. And she had one side and he had one side. And they would write down things which they were thankful for. Yeah. It's amazing how much we can be thankful for. Yeah. And And when you're in this situation, instead of going towards despair, turn towards delight. Turn towards what Christ has done for you. What he's done in bringing others into your life. There's, Celebrate the small victories. And, and let me say, Vainan, yeah. as well, that inside of a local church, yeah. there's often young people that are there that do not have parents that love the Lord Jesus. Yeah. That are just longing for an older lady who can love them. You know, Or there may be those that don't, for example, my children don't have any biological grandfather yeah. alive. Yeah. But there's men within the congregation who become grandfathers to my children. Yes, I have seen that. We have, we've gained, you know, so when we're in Christ, yeah. we, even if we feel like we've lost, we actually gain a hundredfold. Yes. But it's, it's the attitude of the heart of let me serve the Lord and let me be rejoicing in him. And then verse 7 is the wonderful promise of Philippians 4. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If the peace of God is not yeah. Guarding our hearts or our mind in Christ Jesus, mm. we're likely not doing what the rest of that passage says. So a uh, media post the other day, social media post that not all family is blood. Uh, and, and it just stuck with me. Not all family is blood because you've just pointed out to the scripture, the family of God uh, that surrounds us. Uh, exactly. Uh, yep. and, and, and if we, in other words, just a shift of focus. Yes. Uh, and we're not belittling the fact that a grandchildren is not there. For sure. Uh, we understand it. And maybe to the listeners that are listening, you, yeah. your heart may have gone out to this listener that is sent in this question. Yeah. And, and look, within your local church, look at some of the older folk. Yeah. That have had all of their kids leave the country. Invite wow. them over for a lunch or for a braai or have them over. One of the things which we're doing at Benoni Bible Church, we've just started a regular evening service at five o'clock because we want to reclaim the Lord's Day. You know, the Lord's Day has been the Lord's Day since Acts chapter 2 because the church got together to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead yeah. and to look forward to the fact that Jesus is coming back again. But it's the Lord's Day. Yeah. Use it for the Lord's purposes. Invite some folk to your house. We've, we've sometimes, I think our South African culture, we're very friendly. We want to show people what we have on our bride. 
but you could just do force on a braai yeah. with a little bit of bread. You could ask the person to please bring the rolls. It doesn't need to be something fancy just yeah. to be with one another. And yeah. when we're with one another, oh, how the Lord brings a healing to the heart. Yeah. You know, you, you've, you're missing your, your children. Yes, that's godly. You're missing your grandchildren. But there's children and grandchildren in that church who maybe don't have a grandmom who can love them. Absolutely. You know? So it's wonderful. There was a man, and just a side note again, named Lionel Woodlands, who was part of um, – Watercliffe Baptist Church, a wonderful, godly old man. And I was about 13, 14, and he took me out for lunch a few times. Yeah. What an impact that man made on my heart. And when he died, when yeah. he died, he left his files, and he was just an ordinary church member yeah. within a congregation who was faithfully serving Jesus. So just put one foot in front of the other, being faithful to the Lord Jesus. Plug into your local church. And let yeah. me tell you as well that as an older woman who's got children, grandchildren, what a help you can be even to the pastoral couple. Yeah. You know how lonely often pastoral couples are. And I won't get into some of that. This, But even this last week, I've heard of a number of pastors going through difficult times. You can reach out to them. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. just invite yourself over for a lunch. Or something. You know, obviously yeah, so much pushy, to do. So much there's to do. so much yeah. to do to serve the Lord. It's just a, a change of focus. And thank you so much, my sister, for sending in this question. God bless you. I trust that you have found the answer. That you answered it, dear, what Rocky has with us, and that ons the Lord ook sal dank for here the kleine dingetjes in ons leven. Ikasa says we've got to play music as well. We want to adhere to our broadcasting rules as well, and our overseers. So, ons wil gehoorzaam wees, and they set an example of what we as a Christian radio station stands for. Baie dankie dat jy ingeskakel is. Ons is nog hier tot so 5 voor 12, saam met die atelier pastoor Rocky Stevenson, en ons is in die program skriftierlik. Looking at the Word of God from every angle, dealing with everyday issues that you and I might face. Ek het Rianne Nel op die draaitafel hier in die woordskouwers genoem. Ons is terug net hier nou. En so door Lucy aangeskyf na bykans 18 minute dan voor 12. Skrifteerlik die naam van die program en ons kyk na vraag wat jy moendlik uit die woord van die Heere mag hee. Een vraag wat ons al gereeld op hierdie program gehad het die afgelopen 4,5 jaar wat ons skrifteerlik aanbied. Ons kry om baie gereeld Rocky This One coming our way and we often get listeners asking this question. Uh, ek neem aan dat Elise een nieuwe luisteraar is in Dalk Air ons nog nie gehoor het, dat ons hierdie vraag geantwoord het. Rocky says, no problem, let's just do it in a nutshell. Sy sê, goeiemorgen, ek wil net graag weet, as jy doodgaan en jou laat vir as, is dit reg? Of moet jy begrawe word, want die woord sê, Jesus sal terugkom en die grafte sal oopgaan. Nou weet ek nie of vir as in reg is nie. Baie dankie vir baie interessante program. So, what she in essence is saying, when you die, should you have yourself cremated or should you have yourself buried? Because her understanding of the scriptures is, when Jesus returns, uh, according to her, and the scripture says, uh, it will open up. Rocky. Yeah, um, so this is a, a question that many times does get asked. I've got a bit of a, a dual way of answering this. I think it is better to be buried personally because you're able to leave a tombstone, you're able to leave some kind of message, a gospel message on that, etc. However, it would not be wrong to be cremated if that yeah. were your your desire. God made Adam, you'll remember, from dust. dust. Yeah. So if if God made Adam from dust, surely he can put your ashes back together. Yeah. So he's over all of this. We do see that the sea gives up their dead. Hades gives up their dead. All yeah. will stand before him. 
And even as you think through the end of the age, when he will separate even the sheep from the goats, as Jesus ah, talks every about, knee shall bow, every, every knee will bow, confess. every tongue will yeah. confess. You see the fact that everyone is actually put back together and for we'll that day, and everybody will be there. You do have a glorified body as a believer, as you meet with Christ, spirit you, man. as the spirit man in that sense, but you also will receive a, a glorified body right. that you will eat the, the marriage feast with, of the lamb with him. Yeah. And so these are promises that he is over in regard to this. So I, I do think it would be up to the personal conscience of the listener as they think through these things. But one of the joys is that you don't really have much of a say once this happens. You know, your family often decides what will happen yeah. um, unless you have left the will and testament and your family actually keeps that. What we do see in the scriptures as well, however, is people like Jezebel, people like Ahab who were not buried. Yeah. That was actually a curse on them yeah. by God. When there was somebody who lived in such a wicked way that the people would not care what had happened to their body, that's actually a curse of God. You'll remember even when Saul was killed and Jonathan, how the brave men went to go and fetch their bodies so that they could bury them. Yeah. And yeah. so there was an honoring of the dead in that sense, or not an honoring of the dead, more of an honoring of God for having given life, yes. and being the one that gives life and takes life. I do think it is it is terribly sad when one hears of a person who says, I don't want any funeral. I don't... It's so selfish yeah. because the funeral is not for the dead. The funeral is for the living yeah. so that the living will remember that there is a God who has made them. There's also a monetary uh, excuse tied to it, if I may use those words, and I say it uh, very reluctantly, because to, to, to have somebody buried nowadays as opposed to have somebody cremated, there's a, a vast difference in, in, in monies that you Strangely have Strangely enough, not, not too much. Um, it depends on, I guess, who you're using. I had a wonderful, a wonderful um, man who helped me in the Middleburg area, uh, regarding funerals, and it, the the cost was very similar. So, oh, right. at, at a baseline, you're so looking at an a argument. difference between something like eight thousand to thirteen thousand. But that that was a while ago, yeah, so I'm yeah. speaking under correction. Oh, but right. you're looking at a four five thousand rand difference right. between being buried or being cremated, and sometimes oh, right. even the same amount, um, depending because the, they still give you a proper coffin. One of my ideas once was to buy my coffin already and use it as a toolbox because then you get to use your coffin. <laughs> at least at least you get to use your, your coffin before you actually get put into the ground, you know. All right. Make, maybe it's a bit of the Irish. So, the so, so I think the essence of it would be, am I sinning against God if I have myself no, cremated? No, not at all. And all the right. thing is that you actually can't be held accountable for sin. That happens once you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you're held accountable for that which you do while you're living. But yeah. for the believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Even the Apostle Paul looked forward to that day that he would meet the Lord in that way. Yeah. He said, wretched man that I am in Romans chapter 7, who will save me from this body of death? Oh. And so he, even he himself was excited for going to be with him. Daar sê, Elise Goppe, dit antwoord die vraag vir jou, baie dankie vir een interessante vraag, en soos wat ek terecht gesê het, heel wat kere in die 4,5 jaar het ons al hierdie vraag geantwoord, ons voorig om het gauw verochend weer vir jou aan te raak, en ek hoop jy dan die antwoord maak vir jou sin. Uh, Annikie wat vir ons vraag ingestuur het, skriftierlik, weinand, uh, pastoor Rocky, goeiemorgen, uh, baie dankie ook vir een baie, baie interessante program, ek vind dit geweldig leersam. Then she ask a question here, Rocky, sy sê, tot waar in die Bijbel is Godse profetie vervuld? Do we know up to which chapter 
which I uh, almost want to say verse in the Bible, van wat er hoofstuk af moet die profetie nog vervol word? Do we know where in God's word and from which chapter prophecy still needs to be fulfilled? Have we got anything on that in the timeline? Yeah, so we we know a lot of what has been fulfilled within the scriptures, but the Bible isn't written like any other book. It's written by plus minus 40 different authors over a period of around 1,600 years. We have different genres in the scripture as well. We have narrative, we have historical narrative, we have gospel narrative, we've got prophecy within that, we've got apocalyptic prophecy. So there's various passages in the scriptures that haven't yet been fulfilled in Christ's second coming. But prophecy as well often will be something like if anybody has done hiking or mountain biking and you're heading up a hill and you think, yeah. if I just get to that top point, I'll be at the top of the hill. But then you look further and there's a there's a higher <laughs> hill. Yeah. I've yeah. done some of that in my mission work in the Sutu in the past where you, right. you're hiking and you think, uh, I just if need to only, get up here. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as you're up there, and so that is often the way that biblical prophecy happens. You right. find a large fulfillment in the coming of Christ, but then there's still much to still even come. Yeah. And I would take the listener back to somebody like John the Baptist, because even he at one point questioned some of these same things. Yeah. He thought to himself, well, here's the Christ. I've been preaching about this. I've been preaching this repentance. When he you was in prison. See, while he's in prison. Yeah. And this is here in Luke chapter twenty, uh, Luke 7, verse 22. And he asks him, are you the Christ? He sends his disciples. He's in prison yeah. because he has tuned, um, you know, Pi- uh, not pilots, man. Now I'm getting my yeah, name Herod. Up. Herod. Yeah, he, yeah. He tunes Absolutely. Herod and he says to him, you can't have your, your brother's wife. Yeah. And Herod doesn't like the fact that he is busy making his conscience feel pricked. And so he puts him into prison. And he actually enjoyed having John in prison. He got to ask him some questions and etc. Eventually he would behead John. But he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the Christ? And Jesus says to his disciples, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And right after this, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, this man is very great. This is the greatest of the prophets because he laid the foundation for me. But John was asking a similar question. He was saying, surely these prophecies have come to fruition. Here's the Christ, but why am I only seeing one part of the Christ? Why is he not laying the axe at the roots like I preached? Is this a different Jesus? But the the reality is that Old Testament prophecy often puts, even in the same verse, the fact that Christ is lamb-like and he is the Lion of Judah. You've got both of these prophecies in the Old Testament often right next to each other. And John only saw this one part of it. And he's saying, but why is the second part not happening? Why is the... You know, Psalm 2 of him being the king that reigns with the iron scepter and he breaks the, you know, he just destroys all those that are the enemies of his. Some of those apocalyptic kind of a prophecies. And he's saying, why isn't that happening? The Romans are still ruling over us. Here I am in prison and Herod has put me here. And why have you not bust me out yet? What is going on? Why have you not set up your earthly rule? Why are we not having this, you know, back to the Garden of Eden time? And that's because there's much prophecy that's intermingled with each other regarding the second coming of Christ. And so the best for the listener to do is to go and do a good study of God's word. If you wanting a, a lovely little PDF, you can send me an email at pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za. I can send you a good Bible overview section, and then you'll be able to understand the 66 books of the Bible. How do they work? How do they fit together? Where do we have certain things that are fulfilled? Where are prophecies that are not fulfilled? 
but it's all one package. You can't right. you can't say okay, well we now at book number sixty two and we've still got four books left. All right. That's yes. not as simple as that. Nou ja, ek uh, hoop dit maak vir jy heeltemal uh, sin en uh, baie dankie ook uh, vir die vraag wat jy dan vir ons ingestuur het, altyd so voorig om syke interessante vraag. Annikie, ek hoop dit maak dan vir jou sin. We've literally got three minutes left, my brother, Rocky. Uh, we had a, a question from Sila, I hope I pronounce uh, the name correct, uh, and dit sê daar in Joosja 5, 13-5 het Joosja ontmoeting met God, hy het ontblote swaard, met verwysing na die Heere, in sy hand gehad, en hy sê dat hy ook nou gekom het. What does that mean? Joshua 5, 13, 5, and uh, Joshua meeting with the Lord. What let does me, it let mean? Let me read that to us. When Joshua was, was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you an adverse or our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, from the place where you are standing, which the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. What we have is Jesus in a pre-incarnate way meeting before Joshua. He had gone before Joshua with Jericho. He had gone before the armies of Israel. He was in the cloud, the angel of the Lord. You'll remember back in Exodus chapter 3, as he said the same thing to Jesus as he came to the burning bush. Uh, well, to the burning bush, the angel of the Lord in the burning bush, yeah. speaking to Moses saying, take off your sandals. The picture that is here is that Jesus, the commander, well, as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, the commander of the Lord's armies with the sword that is drawn, he is doing that because he's showing that he is going to give victory to the people of Israel over the Canaanites. He's basically saying, I'm going to fight for you. I'm not going to fight against you. I'm with you. Be strong, be courageous. That's the big message of the book of Joshua. You can take this because I'm with you. And you'll remember Joshua was one of those ten spies that had gone into Canaan years before. And he had gone in with Caleb. They were the only two out of the ten that said, we can take this land because God has promised it to us. And so God, in many respects, is showing his support for Joshua, who had recently taken over from Moses and saying, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I've got a drawn sword because I'm ready to execute judgment upon the people of Canaan. Their sin has come up to me and I'm going to destroy them. Well, as simple as that. There you have it. And I trust that uh, that explanation. Well, ultimately, you have to go and search the scriptures, Acts 17, 11, and make sure that what the Rocky has said is indeed as the scriptures is saying. Always good to, uh, to listen to Radio Pulpit, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, Weinert Rousseau, uh, scriptural. Waar het ook al is, maar in die einde van die dag leer die verantwoordelikheid vir my en vir jou om die skrifte uh, te ondersoek om te kyk of hierdie dinge so is. Rocky, 30 seconds. If people want to write you an email, where can they get hold of you? Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za And I would encourage our listeners, if you're not part of a good local church, send me an email. I can help you if you're in a place that you don't know where a good local church is. I'll help you plug in. Right, simple as that. Till next week, Tuesday, if the Lord tarries, when we bring you another very interesting program, Scriptural Skriftilak Todan. All that's left to say is, keep well, God bless you, and Shalom.